0: Hey. How you doing today, Lennon? Doing great. I'm awake. I'm alive. The sun is rising over here. Things are good. How are you?
1: Doing fantastic. I got to tell you something. That The fact that, uh, um, that your name is Lennon, uh, th- there's such a full circle that goes with John Lennon and me. In the fact that my last book was about John Lennon, it opened the door for me to talk with Yoko Ono as well as uh, Julian Lennon. So to be speaking with you today is still part of that story of the Lennon family.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that connection and the opportunities that you had there. That's amazing. Did, wow. it,
1: did it open your heart to study the the brilliant writing and performance of John Lennon, knowing that your mother, you know, called you Lennon?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think that the maturity of that has developed. You know, it started probably just listening to him and being in awe of, of that and then discovering the writings and then going deeper into, you know, his, his solo work As I've gotten older It's been like A whole lifelong process And I'm sure It will continue to be
1: Yeah It's going to stick with you And I think there was a, There was a side of him That he knew That it it, it was It wasn't about the now It was about Where's it going to be Planted in your future And because everything That you You know that it, with Especially with his doodling That becomes the artwork When you go to a gallery To look at his artwork You know That this is going to last Another thousand years Wow
0: Yeah Yeah definitely I, We were just talking about this Um it's almost like there's an urgency in, in a, a lot of the things that he did. It was always progressing and growing. And like you said, kind of, I don't know if he realized it or what, because it seems like he had a lot of self-loathing. And I don't know if he ever accepted himself, but man, it sure seems like he, he knew that he was creating it to be around forever. So it's really impressive.
1: What is what is the process of you writing music? How how do you bring a song to life? Is it is it just a sentence that hits you first? Is it a guitar riff? How how does music come to life in your in your journey?
0: When it is just a sentence, that's the easiest because then I have an idea that I can go around. Usually, it's accompanied with like a hook or, or the melody that I'm the most excited about, and I can just start with that. Um, usually, how it happens though is I'll just be playing on my guitar and I'll find something that I like, and again, I'll find like a melody that usually doesn't have words, and I'll try and find what that sounds closest to, and then go from there, which takes a lot longer, and sometimes takes, I mean, months, but... So it's kind of those two main ways. It's either a sentence and it gets done right away, or it's with my guitar and it takes a lot longer.
1: You know, I always hear these stories of of guitarists who, I mean, they, it's a riff will come to them while they're driving and they'll hurry up and record it into their phone. And I always sit there and say, man, if a guitarist's phone was lost and somebody found it, would they take that guitar riff and call it their favorite song?
0: Right. I mean, and my phone is no different. You could take a look at it and there's literally thousands of voice memos and I, I wouldn't want anyone to find it because I, I don't think that people will understand what it is you're doing because me just leaning into it and mumbling stuff usually or the riffs wouldn't really make a lot of sense without the context so i don't think that people would you know it'd be their favorite song because i think you need the songwriter to like at least push it out before mm-hmm. people can understand what it is they're dealing with
1: yeah because I mean crafting a song is like a joke you, you've you got to keep working at it keep working at it keep working at it play it live okay I'm going to change it here I'm going to do this here
0: yeah and it never ends just like you know we were talking about with John Lennon if you listen to any artist that sings their songs over a long time a lot of times you know they'll they'll keep changing it in the live versions or in the later recorded versions and I tend to like those versions better because then they've really had time to sit with the song and it means more to them now and you know it, it's a lot of like emotional nuance as songs go on uh, for the people that write them
1: well you're, you're so yeah. you're so right about that because I mean if even the group foreigner will do that they do a song called jukebox hero and when they perform it live somewhere in that song they're gonna go into a major league classic rock hit maybe it could be from Led Zeppelin it could be from anybody and all of a sudden you're going my god how, how did you guys even transition into this you I mean musicians are just brilliant when it comes to creativity
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse kind of thing, but I I think it's especially interesting when, uh, when the lyrics change over time. Um, it's, you know, it's one thing to change the melody. And I think part of that is just, if you're singing it a thousand times, then you want to do something different. But I think when they change the lyrics, especially just in live versions i always try and wonder like what was it that you know made them change it maybe their mind changed or whatever but i always think that's fascinating
1: have you had those moments inside the studio where the engineer kind of looks at you and says hey uh, uh, can you can you retweak that that sentence there because i know that you lived it and you're trying to share the story but I, i think it needs to be tweaked so it can fit better into the song
0: When I've been recording it, I've always wanted something like that with the producer. I've always kind of wanted them to be more critical. Um, I think usually they just trust me, but just yesterday I was um, in a writing session with somebody else from the show this season who did challenge me on some lyrics and uh, always grateful for that because I think that they're always right. I mean, I, I love criticism when it comes to music because I just don't get it a lot. I think people are nervous to do that because a lot of times there is no right answer, right? But I know that um, like how you get better is is by learning from others. And so I like when people have suggestions like that for me, for sure.
1: I love I love the fact that you talked about that you're collaborating with somebody else on the show, because, I mean, even though it is a competition, the thing about it is, though, to me, it's like band camp. It's all of these creative minds, writers and performers that are coming together. And this energy is in one place.
0: Yeah, you couldn't be more right. And I think I think musicians always gravitate towards each other and being in an extremely high-pressure situation that the voices uh, bonds you even closer. And so now you have all this, you know, you might be from totally different parts of the country, but you have this shared experience all of a sudden. Uh, So, so far that's been Life-changing, for sure.
1: Living out there in Phoenix, Arizona, I'll tell you what, there was a radio station that wanted me to come out there and jock for them. And the thing is, oh, I, I was so excited about moving to Phoenix because I heard so many positive things. But the moment I came off that airplane and didn't see all the green grass and everything, I was like, uh-uh, I'm not moving here. How do you survive out there?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned not seeing the green and not being able to do it because I think a lot of my friends feel that way. When we go up north and we see the green and Flagstaff, it kind of is like we can take a deep breath. It feels like we can like survive up there or something. I think for me growing up in Delaware um, where it's like green everywhere and just meadows and kind of flat land for me, I, I wanted, I don't know, like growing up and seeing the mountains, especially in Seattle and Arizona part of me just felt like there's a sense of adventure to that. And so looking at the desert, I think it reminds me every day that like, I don't know, that I made that move, that I left Delaware where it was like safe, considered safe, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me. I I enjoy the the desert scenery because I, I think part of that is the danger that's associated with it. But it's also just always so interesting and vast and all of that.
1: Man, you'd speak of those mountains around the Seattle area. I mean, across from the Puget Sound, you have the Cascades. Behind Seattle, you've got Mount Rainier. My God, what a great songwriting place.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what it's it's served for me as well. I mean, the first time flying over there and seeing Mount Rainier from my airplane window was a, a huge life-changing moment because I didn't uh, I was like these things existed the whole time, you know, I'd never seen anything like that. And you can just spend obviously thousands of years in the mountains and you'll always see something new. And what that can teach you about songwriting and about life And our existence, I mean, it's just, there's so much there. And I'm obviously not close to the first person to discover that, but I'm grateful that
1: I can use that as my own, you know, creative muse as well. What part of Idaho were you living in?
0: I was in a town close to Idaho Falls. Um, it, was a, it was a college town in Rexburg, so close to Yellowstone and close to uh, Jackson as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I grew up in the state of Montana and my sister lived in Jackson. So, my God, you you were in that. Uh, Utah, it seems like you're, you're, you're attracted to places that, that are so unbelievably beautiful because a desert is beautiful. And, and, and so, I mean, it's just amazing where, where you're growing up and where you're traveling to.
0: Right, no, and um, I think again, just growing up in Delaware and not having really mountains in that state anyways, there's, there's nothing that like I could drive to and go hiking and see these incredible wonders. And I think it's crazy because I think, I, I think a lot of people, maybe they'll go to Jackson Hole once in their life or a couple times. And for me, I just, yeah, I, that's when I felt most alive is when I'm writing songs or when I'm playing music or when I'm at one of those places. And so I think I've just strategically tried to line up my life so it's full of those things always.
1: Are you journaling this journey right now in the way that you one day you're going to look back and you're going to go, wow, this is what I lived when I was on NBC's The Voice, and it's all in your handwriting in a journal?
0: Specifically, no. <laughs> but Errol, I think that you're on to something. I, I definitely have through videos and through pictures and my own thoughts, but I think you're right. I think I need to get those down. Uh, because man, it, it fades fast and there's so much going on. It can be overwhelming. And so I think I'll be disappointed if I, if I don't. So this is a good reminder.
1: Well, it, I'll tell you what, what I love about it is I, I call it the dear future reader journey is what I do. Because, I mean, in, in this studio where I am right now, I have 29 years of daily writing. I can go to any position and see where the creativity started. And so with you being so close to all of this beauty around you and this experience in, in L.A. and stuff with NBC's The Voice, it's like, I know this guy's got to be a writer. He sounds like he's a writer.
0: Yeah, no, and I think it's just something that, you know, um, as you practice, obviously, I'm sure you could tell me that it, it gets better. I think that's one thing that slowed me down is when it comes to writing music, I feel like I've got good strengths. Mm-hmm. When it comes to articulating, I've got that strength, but when it comes to putting it down for myself, that's where I run into some, I don't know if it's motivational roadblocks or just not feeling like it's that interesting, but I think it's something that I should fight through for sure because I'm going to want to look back on it. Uh, for continued inspiration.
1: Well, John Lennon locked himself up in that Dakota, and the reason why is because he said that he had writer's block. But then it was Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls that told me he says there's no such thing as writer's block because what happens is is that you just think everything sucks, and 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 that's one of the hardest things that you've got to get through is that okay today I'm going to give myself permission to suck. Okay, I'm fine. All right, let's create because I was born to create.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've never I've never heard it in that perspective. And luckily it's not something I've dealt with too severely, but I think that it is always true that you're never aware of how good something is. And you know, if it's just you doing it. So I wonder partially too, if, if you are isolating yourself, you know, and you don't have feedback from other people, then you, you probably are more inclined to think that everything you're doing sucks. Because I don't know about, for other creatives, but for me, until somebody else that I respect can give their opinion on it and think that it's good i really have no idea if it's good or not it's hard for me to make that judgment on my own
1: you know what's cool about watching you on nbc's the voice Lennon, is the fact that at 27 years old you're one of the youngest people on the show and it's like I, I i love the fact that this year there seems to be a wide variety of ages but you're one of the youngest ones dude
0: yeah that feels good it, it uh You know, especially, I I just honestly feel lucky more than anything else because I get to know all of the journeys of my friends and how much long-suffering they put into this. Uh, And just getting a shot to be heard, whether it's on a show like this or whether it's touring or writing music. And a lot of them have been struggling a lot longer than I have for them to get their shot. And so I just feel so lucky that, you know, it happened for me in an easier way and in a a younger way, you know, it's, it's just felt like uh, the craziest thing, but I've been really thankful
1: for it. What is it like for you to be on that live stage? I crave it. I'm addicted to it. I've got to have it. And I go insane if I don't have it. What about you?
0: Yeah, there's no other way. I mean, it just feels right when you're up there. I'm again, just, I feel like it's not even something that I maybe you can work on stage presence and you can work on confidence and other things like that. But, I just feel lucky that when I am up on stage, whether it's a crowd of 50 people out there, 10 people out there, or, you know, a bigger crowd, um, it just feels like what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because as as that creative person, I mean, it's like you you do hold the power. If you stop, their lives are affected. So you don't stop because you're affecting them in a different way.
0: Yeah, you really have to step into that role of like, the spotlight is on me, and it's okay that it is. This is the time for that. I think I think I try to be aware of when to not do that. Yeah. I think there's you know there's people that don't maybe know the difference, and they're always looking to take the spotlight. And for me, if it's not an appropriate time to be the center of attention, I would never want to be. And so I think that's why I love the stage so much. Is that is the perfect time. Um, and it just feels like okay this is the time we have to make the most of being alive and again the most that i've ever felt alive is up on a stage especially a bigger stage like that um yeah so i just feel lucky that i'm the type of person that i guess can can perform because i don't think that even has so much to do with me um i just know that when it's time it feels right yep And it's the best.
1: Yep. What's the most important lesson that you've learned? It doesn't have to be from the coaches. It it could be just somebody that you've collaborated with, but there's always a seed that's planted in your new journey.
0: Absolutely. I think the most important thing, and there have been a lot, so it's a tough one to narrow it down, but I think it'll be the key for the rest of my life is that this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to doubt myself anymore. And however many people, you know, the fact that I get to affect anyone and this new influx of people that are interested in what I'm doing with my music has been so beautiful. And to just have the confidence that this is what I'm here for, I don't need to know the why yep. even and or the how especially, but that this is the reason that I'm alive and I'm going to keep doing it.
1: Wow. Lennon, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you because I love your journey and I just can't wait to watch you continue to grow.
0: Harold, thank you so much, man. I'm excited to check out your, your book about John Lennon, especially. Thank you for chatting with me.
1: The book is called Scrambled Eggs, so you keep, keep an eye And what it is, is that I, I base it on that John Lennon is still alive, but he's got Alzheimer's, and what happened was, is that once people found out that I was writing a book like this, Glenn Campbell's family reached out to me, and Glenn had Alzheimer's, and so it opened up a whole entire journey, but but that's what it's, wow. and, the, and, it's it base, and the way I describe it is, it's 53 pieces of poetry that happen to tell a story because only John Lennon could write it in poetic form. So I I really tried to study his words and then bring a book to life.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out.
1: Excellent. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir?
0: Errol, thanks so much, man. Great talking to you.